0: Chapter One of The Fairy's Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emma Baker. The Fairy's Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun by Catul Mendes. Translated by Thomas Jondry Vivian. Eighteen fifty-five to nineteen twenty-five, the Sleeping Beauty. Serious history is not the only thing that has been written in a slipshod fashion. There has been a good deal of blundering in fairy tales as well, and even the most careful and best informed storytellers have not always set down things exactly as they happened. For instance, although we have believed up to this time that the eldest of Cinderella's wicked sisters went to the prince's ball in a dress of red velvet, draped with English lace, the fact is that she wore a scarlet robe, embroidered with silver passmentary and golden cords. So, too, while it is true that, of all the monarchs invited to the wedding of the white cat, Some did come in sedan chairs, others in coaches, and others from distant countries, mounted upon elephants, tigers, and eagles. While all this is true, the other fact has not been stated, that the king of Mataquin made his entry into the court of the palace seated between the wings of a great dragon, from whose nostrils there came flames of jewels, You may perhaps be curious to find out how I come to know so much upon these very important points. And I will tell you, some time ago I used to visit a hut which stood beside a field, where there lived a very old woman, old enough to be a fairy, and indeed I always suspected her of being one. After I had once or twice kept her company while she warmed herself in the sunshine before her little cottage, she took a liking to me, and a few days before she died, or returned to her mysterious country, I don't know which, she offered me a keepsake, an old spinning wheel. It was an extraordinary spinning wheel, for every time I turned the wheel it began to talk. Or rather to sing, using a sweet little shaky voice, something like that of a grandmother who during the day had prattled more than she should. What it said or sang was a number of pretty stories, some of these no one else knew of, and others it knew better than anyone else, and in the latter case. It took a sort of mischievous pleasure in pointing out and correcting the mistakes made by those who had busied themselves in writing these stories. You see, then, that I had a teacher of a very remarkable sort. And let me say, while I think of it, you would be wonderfully astonished if I were to tell you of all the things and changes and additions that the will had revealed to me. You imagine, I have no doubt, that you know each detail of the story of the princess who, having pricked her hand with a spindle, fell into a sleep so sound that nothing could rouse her, and who was laid in the castle in the middle of a wood upon a bed of gold and silver embroidery. Well, now, I am sorry to tell you that you do not know the true ending of the story at all. Yes, yes, purred the wheel. It is true enough that the prince has slept for a hundred years. When a young prince, moved by love and glory, resolved to penetrate the wood and awaken her, the great trees, the thorns and the brambles opened of themselves to let him pass. He walked toward the castle, which he saw at the end of a long avenue, and soon entered it. What surprised him not a little was to find that not one of his retinue had been able to follow him, the trees crowding themselves together again as soon as he had passed. At last, when he had crossed several courts paved with marble, passing on his way a number of red-nosed lackeys who slept beside their cups, in which were still some drops of wine, when he had rambled down endless passages and mounted great staircases on which were guards snoring, with carbines on their shoulders. After passing all these things and persons, he found himself in a golden chamber, and saw upon a bed, whose curtains were open on all sides, the most beautiful sight that had ever met his eyes. It was a princess who seemed to be about sixteen or seventeen years of age, "'and whose beauty was beyond words. "'I am willing to admit,' said the wheel, "'that these things happen just so, "'and that up to this point the storytellers have not strayed away from the truth. "'But nothing can be more misleading than the rest of the story. "'And I must contradict the statement that the sleeping beauty, when awakened, "'looked lovingly at the prince, and that she said, "'Is that you, my lord? You have been long waited for.' "'If you want to know what really did happen, listen.' "'The princess stretched one white arm, then the other, "'half opened her eyes, shut them again, "'as though troubled by the light, yawned a little, "'while Puff, her lapdog, awakened also, "'snapped and bristled with anger. "'Who is there?' the daughter of the fairies asked at length. "'And what is wanted?' The prince fell upon his knees and replied, He who is here adores you and has braved the greatest perils. He was something of a boaster, you see. To relieve you from the enchantment in which you have so long been held captive. Leave this bed on which you have been sleeping for a hundred years. Give me your hand and let us return together to light and life. Astonished at these words, she looked attentively at him, and could not keep back a smile, for he was a young and shapely prince, with the loveliest eyes in the world, and he spoke in a very sweet and pleasant manner. "'It is really true, then,' she asked, putting back her hair, "'that the hour has come in which I am to be delivered from my long sleep.' "'It is.' answered the prince. Ah, said she. She thought a while and then said, what will happen to me if I leave this shadow land and go back to life? Can you not guess? asked the prince. Have you forgotten that you are the daughter of a king? You will see your people running to meet you, crying out for joy and waving banners of every colour. Women and children will kiss the hem of your robe. In a word, you will be the most powerful and petted of all the queens of the East. It would please me to be a queen, she said. What else would happen? You would live in a palace that glistened like gold, replied the prince, and in mounting the steps of your throne you would walk upon inlaid patterns of precious stones courtiers grouped about would sing your praises, and the oldest and wisest heads would be bowed before the power and grace of your smile. To be praised and obeyed is charming, said she. Would I have any other pleasure? Waiting maids, clever as fairies, would clothe you in dresses of the tints of the sun and moon. You would powder your hair with diamond dust, and you would have a mantle of golden cloth trailing yards behind you. That would be charming, said she. I always did like fine clothes. Pages as lovely as hummingbirds would offer you the finest candies in beautiful comfort boxes, and would pour perfumed wine into your cup. That pleases me, said she. I always had a sweet tooth. Would these be all my joys? Another pleasure, the greatest of all, yet awaits you, said the prince. What is it? You will be beloved, he replied. By whom? By me, that is, if you do not think me unworthy to aspire to your affection. Well, said she, you are a prince of good appearance and your clothes fit you well. If, continued the prince, you deign not to send me away, I will give you my whole heart, as another kingdom of which you will be the sovereign, and I will never cease to be the obedient slave of your most willful caprices. Oh, what happiness you promise me, exclaimed the princess. Rise then, dearest, and follow me. Follow you already. Wait a moment, said the princess, I must think a little, you have certainly held out more than one tempting promise, but as you see, I must be sure first that I am not leaving what is better behind me. What do you mean, princess? exclaimed the prince. I have slept for a hundred years, it is true, but it is also true that for a hundred years I have been dreaming. I am a queen in my dreams, and of what a lovely, lovely kingdom. My dream palace has walls of light. For courtiers, I have angels who treat me to music of delightful sweetness. When I walk, it is upon pathways strewn with stars. Then, if you could only know of the beautiful dream robes that I wear, and of the delicious fruits that are set on my table and of the honeyed wines in which I dip my lip, and as to love, believe me, I am not without it. For in my dreams I am adored by a lover more handsome than any of the princes of the earth, one who has been faithful to me for a hundred years. All things considered, my lord, I do not think I should gain anything by coming out of my enchantment. "'I pray you, sir, wish me good day, and let me go to sleep again.' Whereupon she turned her pretty face toward the wall, spread her hair over her eyes, and once more renewed her long sleep, while Puff stopped yelping, crooked in his legs, and laid his muzzle on his paws. The prince withdrew in high displeasure, and since that time, thanks to the protection of the good fairies, No one has troubled the rest of the Sleeping Beauty in the woods. End of the Sleeping Beauty